What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, January 7th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What A Day, where we're standing with Elmo and his campaign to stop prioritizing the needs of rocks. Just for a uh, note of clarity to the audience, Elmo has been feuding with a rock apparently for decades now. Rocks are bad. I have no tolerance for rocks. They make me sick. <laughs> On today's show, former health experts to President Biden say that it's time for the White House to act like the virus is here indefinitely and not that it could eventually be wiped out completely. Plus, a slippery thief who's been stealing book manuscripts may have been caught. But first, yesterday marked one year since a violent mob stormed the U.S. Capitol and attempted to block lawmakers from certifying the results of the 2020 election. To mark the anniversary, President Biden spoke live from the Capitol about the attempted coup. Yeah, so what were some of the big takeaways from that? Yeah, as was expected, he condemned the violence that took place and illustrated the need to make sure something like this never happens again. Take a listen. For the first time in our history... The president had not just lost an election, he tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power as a violent mob breached the Capitol. He also spoke out vehemently against former President Trump and the lies that he has continued to spread about the 2020 election. And even more importantly, he connected what happened on January 6th with what's been going on around the country since then in terms of voting rights. Right now, in state after state, new laws are being written not to protect the vote, but to deny it, not only to suppress the vote, but to subvert it, not to strengthen or protect our democracy, but because the former president lost, instead of looking at the election results from 2020 and saying they need new ideas or better ideas to win more votes, the former president and his supporters have decided the only way for them to win is to suppress your vote and subvert our elections. Yeah, and so Democrats have really been talking about trying to pass federal voting rights legislation since, at the very least, the 2020 election. So where does that actually stand right now? Yeah, so right now it appears that voting rights have gone back to being the White House's top priority. Build back better who? Sorry to that man. We do not know her. We do not know her. But there is a bit of an issue here. This is not just up to the White House. They need Congress. And in the Senate, Mm -hmm. they are once again contending with that little thing called the filibuster. Love it. So Republicans, if you have been paying any attention, are pretty opposed to people being able to vote for candidates who aren't theirs. (laughs) So they are not fans of protecting voting rights at the federal or state level. On the state level, that means they are largely responsible for the new restrictive voting rights legislation in 19 states across the country. And on the federal level, they will likely oppose any legislation to protect these rights because they are the ones who are trying to undo them. Mm -hmm. Democrats do have a Senate majority, something I feel like we forget because they really don't act like it most of the time. No. But they don't have these 60 votes that they would need to beat a Republican filibuster that would likely happen without amending the rules. So that is the big issue in the Senate. 
Yeah, but Biden and Harris clearly want to keep the focus on this. They have plans to make this uh, basically what they're going to be talking about next week when they go to Georgia, one of those states with new highly restrictive voting laws. They're planning to make a big speech about how important and urgent the need for this legislation is. But not everyone in Georgia is excited to see them there. Is that right? Right. And it's not actually the people that you might expect. It is a coalition of Georgia voting rights groups who Uh. are saying that Biden and Harris shouldn't even bother coming to Atlanta next week if they don't have a real plan to pass federal voting laws in the immediate future. The statement was signed by key groups, including the Black Voters Matter Fund, the Asian American Advocacy Fund, the New Georgia Project Action Fund, and more, all of which were critical in giving the Democrats a Senate majority with the victories in last January's runoff elections, as well as in Biden's own election. These groups are basically saying that they have had it with the bullshit. According to their statement, these are, quote, Political platitudes and repetitious, bland promises. Such an empty gesture without concrete action, without signs of real, tangible work, is unacceptable, end quote. Yeah, I'm glad that that statement is being made. Um, And you said they were dealing with restrictive voting laws in Georgia. Uh, Where else has this been happening? (laughs) Honestly, a better question might be where isn't this happening. Yeah. In 2021, lawmakers in 49 states drafted more than 440 restrictive voting bills. 19 states actually enacted some of those voting restrictions in the past year. Of course, there are still blue states that are trying to expand access via things like mail-in voting. But this is really crisis level. And you can see why it's so important to the White House and some Senate Democrats. And also at the same time, why these people in Georgia are furious and want nothing to do with them unless they have a real plan. Yeah, absolutely. And separately, there have been some headlines about Senate Republicans like Mitch McConnell saying that they are open to revising some election laws. Can you clear up what that is all about? Yeah, I wouldn't race to give them a pat on the back for that. The law Mm -hmm. that they are talking about is an 1800s election law that has to do with the process of counting and disputing electoral votes, something that was at the heart of the January 6th attack. But at most, McConnell said yesterday that it has, quote, flaws and that it is worth, quote, discussing. All right. So really not much to work with there. Um, But also, this has nothing to do with protecting people's right to vote or access to the ballot box. Do not confuse this with them trying to do a good thing. That is not at all what is happening. Um, But this is your update on where protecting our voting rights stand before it becomes even more front page news next week. You'll hear it from us then. Hopefully we have more updates for you. I am both excited and scared to learn more. As always. Uh, As always. As always. And on that topic, moving on to news on the pandemic. So today, the Supreme Court is going to hear two challenges to the White House's vaccine mandate for private employers and some healthcare facilities. That comes as the Omicron variant continues to fuel this really historic rise in cases we're seeing. And while the CDC estimates that only about 35% of eligible people in the U.S. have gotten their booster doses. Wow. As for these rules from the White House, for businesses, the federal rule was at first supposed to take effect January 4th, but OSHA, that's the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, actually decided that they would give employers until February 9th to fully enforce these rules because of all these legal challenges. Okay, tell us about these legal challenges and what is happening with those. Yeah, so before we get to that, to review really fast about the rules that were set up here a few months ago. 
One of them is for larger employers to implement a vaccine requirement or a masking and testing regimen. The other pertains to healthcare workers and facilities that receive money from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. To be clear, that last one is an out-and-out vaccine requirement. If they get the funding, they have to be vaccinated. Um, Together, these apply to almost 100 million workers in the U.S., But various business groups, Republican-led states, etc., have issued a challenge to these rules. The main argument they have is that imposing a mandate on private businesses without congressional authorization is a big federal overreach. They also said that the cost of testing in such conditions would be passed on to the consumers and that the situation could lead to more worker shortages with people leaving their jobs. To that point, in recent days, the Postal Service has sought out a temporary waiver for the requirements for those stated reasons. There are similar arguments that are being made here about the healthcare worker requirement, too. There is a good Washington Post article that we're going to link to that goes through some of these and the other main questions. I am excited to check that one out. What have lower courts said so far about all of this? It's a little all over the place. And and that's one of the interesting things about this situation, that the Supreme Court is hearing arguments that haven't been fully aired in lower courts. So according to the Post, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit initially blocked enforcement of the private company rule, but then the Sixth Circuit dissolved that, saying that it could go into effect. There was also division on the healthcare worker mandate. The 11th Circuit dismissed a request from Florida to stop the requirement, while in Missouri and Louisiana, judges agreed to stop the rule. So these were also unsurprisingly often breaking down along partisan lines. So what do we expect is going to happen today? Yeah, I mean, as I'm sure listeners may remember, the Supreme Court has actually been quite supportive or at least allowed recent vaccine requirements in various states and various colleges. And there is precedent generally dating back over 100 years for SCOTUS to uphold states' authority to mandate vaccinations. In the case that I'm referring to, it was smallpox. If you were bopping around in like 1905 and you're listening to the show (laughs) at the time, the Supreme Court said uh, states could mandate you getting vaccinated for smallpox because that's not something you want or something that you want to pass along to other people. I digress. Uh, The cases here are more about federal authority, which the conservative majority on the court has been skeptical of. For example, the court terminated this moratorium on evictions last year from the CDC. And Mark Joseph Stern, a prior guest on this show, argues in a piece that we can link to from Slate that all of this could end up being more about generally seizing away power from Congress and the executive, uh, which would not be good. Yeah. One last thing to note. According to a Wall Street Journal story that we're also going to link to, the justices might not issue a definitive decision on whether the rules are lawful, but rather whether they can go into place while litigation continues. There is a time element here. We'll keep you updated as we learn more, but that is the latest for now. It is Friday, Watt Squad, and today we are doing a segment called The Solution, where we propose a fix to a news story that has created chaos in our world. Guiding us through it, as always, is our head writer, John Milstein. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for welcoming me back in this new and beautiful year. <laughs> we are glad to have you. Always. So as we've already said, yesterday marked one year since the January 6th insurrection. And as you can imagine, the reaction from the right was extremely good faith and normal. (laughs) Hot takes range from this one by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You're going to see the D.C. New York media. I mean, this is their Christmas, January 6th. Okay, they are going to take this and milk this 
for anything they could to try to be able to smear anyone who ever supported Donald Trump. To this one from former acting director of <laughs> national intelligence, Richard Grinnell. January 6th was a terrible day because it's the day big tech and the media kicked President Trump off Twitter and silenced his voice. That's what everyone remembers about that day, for sure. <laughs> I kind of forgot that it was the, that. Wow. Okay. Yep. Lindsey mm-hmm. Graham had one of the day's most boldly reality-defying reactions, tweeting in response to Biden's speech about the insurrection, quote, what brazen politicization of January 6th by President Joe Biden. <laughs> of course, many on the left will argue that Graham knows this reaction is outrageous and can only will himself to say things like this by turning off a large portion of his brain. Mm-hmm. But just as an exercise, we could take Graham's words at face value and grant that he really believes the Capitol insurrection can and should be discussed without politics. And for that, here is John with the solution. If Joe Biden wants to put politics aside like Lindsey Graham is suggesting, there's only one way he can talk about the insurrection. By saying, wow, I've never seen so many people want to get inside a building so bad, they must have been really cold. (laughs) By shifting focus away from the top-down campaign of misinformation that drove angry white Trump supporters to violence and towards wintry temperatures that drive people's noses to run, (laughs) Biden could discuss the insurrection without making Graham and his fellow Republicans feel so damn awkward. It's true that if he did this, some Democrats would probably continue politicizing January 6th by pointing out how many of the rioters were wearing Trump hats and shirts. Mm -hmm. But Biden could just reply by saying that when you're cold, you'll wear pretty much anything that makes you warm. (laughs) Stubborn Democrats would probably point out that rioters were calling to hang Mike Pence. But Biden could gently remind them that Mike Pence looks like a snowman. So on an emotional (laughs) level, it makes sense he'd be blamed by people whose feet and hands are as cold as ice. Of course, These days, even the weather is political, if you guys can believe that. But it'd be best for Biden to ignore that whole aspect of the argument. In fact, if he really wants to make Lindsey Graham happy, he should probably ignore everything that is a real and actual problem in our modern world. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. You have a point about Pence looking like a a snowman. snowman. I've never thought about it that way. He looks like he was standing on the sidewalk and a snowblower came by and sort of dusted his whole uh, face. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's why he looks the way he does. Right, exactly. Wow. That was The Solution. We will be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants 
are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Six former health advisors to President Biden are calling for the U.S. to adopt a new COVID strategy, one that is geared towards living with the virus indefinitely, not simply wiping it out. Bleak. Uh, Yesterday, they published three opinion pieces in the Journal of the American Medical Association. The articles laid out dozens of recommendations like improved testing, urging a more aggressive use of vaccine mandates, and developing policies to address other respiratory viruses as well. But they also criticized the federal government's response to the pandemic. The advisor said that closing down large testing sites last summer was premature. They also noted that the U.S. still relies on data from the U.K. and Israel and called for a better data collecting infrastructure in our own country to help Americans get real-time information on the virus. Or we could just nationalize health care. That would be another avenue for that. Uh, They urged the administration to take a broader approach to reach a, quote, new normal that is not solely focused on vaccines. Dozens of protesters were killed and hundreds were injured yesterday in Kazakhstan as the nationwide anti-government demonstrations continued to grow. President Kasim Jomar Tokayev declared a state of emergency on Wednesday, but despite that, tens of thousands of protesters took to the streets again. Twelve police officers were reportedly found dead yesterday, two of whom were beheaded, and 353 officers were injured. Troops from Russia arrived in the city of Almaty last night at the request of Kazakhstan's president in an effort to calm the violence and protect government buildings. The Kazakh Ministry of Internal Affairs said yesterday that they regained control of all of those buildings in the city and that 2,000 protesters have been detained. The widespread uprisings are considered to be the worst protests in Kazakhstan since it gained independence from the Soviet Union three decades ago. A man has been apprehended for the rare crime known as word document theft. Filippo Bernardini allegedly spent years impersonating publishers to steal unpublished book manuscripts from authors like Margaret Atwood and Ethan Hawke. The two 
most famous authors. But his crime spree reached its final chapter on Wednesday when he was arrested by the FBI. A New York court charged Bernardini with wire fraud and aggravated identity theft. According to the indictment, Bernardini registered over 160 fake internet domains to impersonate others since 2016. Authors targeted by the phishing scheme said that they received messages from email addresses that appeared to belong to major publishers but were slightly misspelled. <laughs> One example given was at penguinrandornhouse.com. Oh my God. Funny enough, Penguin Randorn House was the only company that read my book proposal for a mystery thriller about a handsome daily podcast host who solves the Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown. We need to talk. Uh, none of the <laughs> stolen books ever turned up online, and no ransom or blackmail demands were made, leaving many wondering what Bernardini had to gain from this other than an impressive library. Yeah, I'm really confused about what this scheme led to. Also, very curious about this pitch, Gideon. I want to hear more. Maybe not now, but one of these days. Yes. One of these days. It's a thousand pages, so we, we don't <laughs> have the time <laughs> this, this fine evening. <laughs> A group of roughly 150 influencers from Quebec are currently stranded in Mexico after winning the Bad Passenger Grand Prize of being functionally banned from all <laughs> airplanes. Yikes. The group all flew from Montreal to Cancun on December 30th on a Sunwing Airlines plane that was chartered by someone called At Senior on Instagram. <laughs> this might surprise you, but the social media celebs documented their flight heavily, sharing videos of themselves unmasked, dancing in the aisles, vaping, drinking, and generally breaking every COVID rule in the book. Mm -hmm. The video sparked outrage in Canada where coronavirus is surging and led Sunwing to cancel everyone's return flight. A chorus of other airlines have said they won't fly the partiers home as well, and Canada's transportation department is investigating the passengers and threatening possible fines. During a news briefing on Wednesday, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said this. It's a slap in the face to see people putting themselves, putting their fellow citizens, putting airline workers at risk by being completely irresponsible. Damn. We in America, our influencers, we would never, we would never. We <laughs> never treat you <laughs> like this. You do this stuff, you get Comfort Plus uh, at Senior. <laughs> that would be the grand prize. This is a normal day on American Airlines <laughs> is what we're talking about here. <laughs> uh, I hate it. And those are the headlines. <laughs> One more thing before we go. This month on X-Ray Vision, Jason will be covering the finale of Hawkeye, diving into the new series, The Book of Boba Fett, and exploring the post-apocalyptic miniseries, Station Eleven. You can catch new episodes of X-Ray Vision every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, respond to my book proposal, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just Instagram captions from the bold thinker known as at senior like me, <laughs> what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and fly, fly safe, safe Canadians. Canadians. Yeah, if you see vape smoke rising from the aisles, just don't take the flight. Don't take the flight. <laughs> What a nightmare. What a nightmare. Also, that's so many influencers to be flying together. 150. Too many. Far too many. There should be one influencer max a flight. Because if they influence each other as they're influencing others, it's exponential influencer growth. And that's bad. We can't have that. Fair. That is very true. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. 
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware.